Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. And today I'm delighted to have Sally Hopper, Director of HR at Hertfordshire County Council on to talk about her PhD in rethinking organisational development, oh, sorry, organisational change. Now, before we get into discussing this what, this topic, I just want to just give a bit of context as to why Sally's come on and why, why you know, we're, we're talking about this today. We are sat at a point whereby we have to innovate. We have to find more ways to be more creative, to do ever more with ever less. And that's why people like Sally who are going above and beyond to do research, to drive change is just so important. So, Sally, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Great, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on, Sally. So let's start off with what is your body of research and what were the conclusions that you're, you came to in your PhD? So my research is focusing on organisational change and rethinking that and really paying attention to orthodox thinking, which relies on organisational change being thought of as a linear process so many will hopefully be familiar with the Kurt Lewin model of freezing, unfreezing and refreezing. And I look at that and really challenge that. That is that realistic? Is it realistic to manage and control organisational change? And I draw on the perspective of complex responsive processes, which is looking at much more emergence of change and doing change together rather than trying to be too prescriptive about it. What? I mean, I know we, we were going to do uh, the inspiration at the end, but I want to get into this now because I, it, that's such a big piece of work to do alongside an already incredibly busy job. Where did the inspiration come from you to do this piece of research? Yeah, so really did my um, master's degree in 2003 and always said oh do you know what I really miss doing my research so it took me a good few years to go back to it but the inspiration is that I've been in HR for a really long time and um, I've, when I first started doing organisational change my younger self I used to think goodness me I'm not very good at this and then when you read the orthodox um, research on organisational change it kind of makes you feel a bit better because it does say that 50 to 70% of organisational change fails. And to do an organisational change, my younger self, I used to think, goodness me, I'm not very good at this. And then when you read the orthodox um, research on organisational change, it kind of makes you feel a bit better, because it does say that 50 to 70% of organisational change fails. And that really um, fascinates me, because um, I think that's not that good really is it so at first I thought it was just that I wasn't very good at it and then I thought no it's a bit more complicated than that so my inspiration was to look at alternative ways of um, doing organisational change and I think sometimes in organisational life certainly in my experience it can become very scripted and very performative so people sort of plan what they're going to say and make a big announcement 
But what that does is it loses sight of the emergence of change and the complexity surrounding organisational change. And it means that the organisational change can be a bit, so people feel that they, they stand before that message and they're not necessarily having an opportunity to help um, inform what, what, what might happen next. So much more the emergence of change for me than that linear process. And that's really what inspired me to look at that. And I found it really fascinating because um, Kurt Lewin, as I've already cited, he's very much um, really drawn upon. He wrote in 1947, but still he's very much quoted now. And he was never writing about organisational change, actually. He was writing about social, uh, he was trying to influence social behaviour, but he's very much been um, used and used again and again. And it's really just saying that that linear process is something that um, I don't think is realistic. So I'm really glad I did the research. It's been really all consuming uh, for the past six years, but really pleased that I've done it. And in terms of that, I want to go back to a stat you just said there, 50 to 70 percent of organisational change you, you know, fails normally without if they approach a linear approach to that. that that's a massive amount, isn't it? Yeah, and and the the actual statistic is uh, not it, it's very often quoted, but it's actually when one does their research into that statistic, it is not necessarily backed up by evidence. Um, it was a statistic that Cotter um, brought about some years ago. Uh, anyone that is into organisational change would be familiar with that name as well. He was famous for the eight-stage model on organisational change. And it was brought about by him, but it isn't necessarily totally backed up by evidence, as I say. And um, there are others that argue against it. There are other researchers that say, you know, that without the evidence, you can't necessarily be sure about that. But as a professional body in the CIPD, and as HR practitioners, it is a figure that is very often quoted. So I think it's you know relevant to the conversation. And in terms of like to the applications, let's talk about local government then. So in terms of your research and then talking about kind of change being an organic and please, if at any point I say something that's incorrect, just just go that's not what I said. But not being a linear and actually embracing the kind of evolution of change. What does your research tell? as that we need to be doing differently to truly optimise organisational change? So stop putting people on the Kubler-Ross change curve because, it, in my view, it is only my perspective, so others will have different perspectives. But by placing people on the Kubler-Ross change curve where you tell people whether they're in denial or acceptance, I argue that that dehumanises people and it's an in-the-moment assessment and it's a lot more complicated than that. So can we perhaps think about that and stop doing that? And then the other thing that really tries to get across in my research is the the coping with uncertainty. And that's OK. And I think we all learned to do that during the pandemic. But sometimes you can't pin everything down and you can't necessarily completely manage and control what happens next with organisational change. So what I'm not saying is don't have a plan and don't have an objective of what you want to get out of the organisational change, but be open to different perspectives, be open to having a conversation with those in their local interactions that have got some really great ideas and help use draw on that to help 
those colleagues to help form what happens next. And don't just um, kind of stereotype, I suppose, stereotype colleagues we work with every day in that sort of dehumanising by placing them on the change curve. It's, you know what, I mean, I was having this conversation yesterday because um, as part of my job, one of the things that we do is prepare members for and 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 officers for interviews and removing unconscious bias. And we were talking about how neurodiverse candidates and applicants will interact with different aspects to it. I think, you know, it's when you talk about coping with uncertainty, it's a really, I think it's a really interesting um, topic because we are consistently dealing with uncertainty and I think having that flexibility to acknowledge it but also acknowledge that people will deal with that differently that's that's really powerful and I think particularly the fact at the moment in local government is that there is so much uncertainty around the future not just by funding not just by what services can be delivered there are so many aspects of working life that are up in the air. I mean, I personally am a huge advocate for the kind of creativity on the four day working week that uh, is being trialled in, in Cambridgeshire. Because, um, you know, but that, that that's uncertainty as well. So in terms of like a step by step, then, so how would you say that your research has changed the way that you've done your job? So before, if I, I would have probably tried to script everything and, um, very, Megan Reeves, um, she talks about the Speak Up, her book Speak Up, I draw on that in my research. And um, she talks about how we as managers and leaders, and this is not just public sector, but in all sectors, do have a tendency to script and uh, prepare for what we're going to say, you know, and share our vision in a very compelling, performative way. And what I'm saying is that there's nothing wrong with that. But it's it can mean that you you're trying to again be very control everything. And what my research is saying is that it's taught me very much to realise that when I've delivered such a message, and I what leader in public sector hasn't delivered such a message on change, that if it doesn't quite go your way, it's taught me to um expect the unexpected and also um, step away from the script and step away from the big announcement would be my best advice and take time um, as a collective group and smaller groups within that group to think about what is going on for you what 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 is it what is the problem we're trying to solve here so rather than say what is it you know, this is what I'm doing and this is what we're going to do and get behind my vision. Are you on board or not? Um, are you uh, change resistant? Uh, maybe you've got change fatigue. So let's let's move the conversation on from those stuck narrative mm. to a more complicated narrative where we're really allowing colleagues to um, ask rather than saying, what is it? So being very prescriptive and directional and back to that sort of trying to pin everything down and, and control and manage change. Get moved much more. My research very much centred in, in there is um, what does it mean for us? And that's there too. There's a very subtle difference, but a profound difference in those two statements. And it's really trying to get people in any organisation to um, bring be more human about it we talk about organizational change like it's a living and breathing thing an organization and of course it's not it's the people that make up the organization so my top tip is very much don't lose sight of those people 
and to do much more to um, have those emergent conversations and ask what is it what is going on for us what is going on for us rather than being so prescriptive all the time so people feel that change is happening with them not to them yeah absolutely yeah and they're co-creating it in conversations and um, you're dealing with uncertainty but I would argue that you're also dealing with conflict because you can't close conflict down there is Mm. always conflict in the workplace and what you're doing by having these conversations rather than you know big town hall announcements is um, you're really focusing within the groups what what's going on for us what are we trying to to change here what is it we need to do and you're dealing with that uncertainty dealing with difference dealing with conflict and it's an emergent process rather than one that is um, a mechanical process. If you had a group of people that maybe didn't have the experience of being able to articulate their experience or being able to contribute to a a plan, so you know, in terms of so that, that there's that as a let's say, I mean, I, I'm not getting specific, but there's a line manager who has a team of ten people. Of those ten people, four are relatively junior, four are experienced uh and be too disengaged so then you know if in terms of that manager how do you how do you get people to own and engage with change you know if if they're not haven't got a the understanding or knowledge to really maybe understand the concept of what they're trying to do or are disengaged i mean is that how do you do you see what i'm saying in terms of like how do you actually get to a point whereby people are owning it yeah, so I think that um, first of all, they they would be like that. That's generalizable. Those behaviours are generalizable, whether they were um, doing it in a sort of very linear, orthodox way of managing change, or whether instead thinking about the emergence of change. So I would say that those behaviours are generalizable to both. And I think that's where leaders do need to recognise the diversity of their teams, which is a great thing, but use their best skills to provide opportunities for all of those colleagues to have that conversation and different contributions will come from that but I think uh, not having it at all is probably not going to get the best outcomes for that team so it's working with your team understanding your team and like any great team recognizing everyone's got a contribution to make even though they may do it in different ways and have different um, you know approaches no, it's absolutely fantastic. And so, what's group, next for you? Yeah, yeah sorry. So, my the, the the thing we I do is it's called uh, it's group analysis, which is um, a group coming together basically without a script, and pro- popularly known uh, Matt as think tanks. So, I love a think tank, which is that you know we don't have a script. We've got here's what we're trying to do. Let's have a conversation and let's work it out together and come to some hopefully some really great outcomes that will be sustainable. I yeah it's it's really refreshing to hear that because I completely agree with you I think the rigidity of uh, a formal approach and a linear approach is just so ineffective but people stick to it because it's comfortable it's what they know and actually yeah yeah. so I guess really what's next for yourself Sally with this I mean do you see yourself taking this research further do you see like there's there's a further evolution of this yeah so one conversation at a time I am trying to get the CIPD, my professional, for those that don't know that, that's the CIPD's, the HR professional body, and other practitioners and knowledge, one conversation at a time, one webinar at a time, to turn their heads and uh, realise that the dominant discourse on organisational change is 
linear models. Um, you know, let's let's just create another model to help us with this. This, this is just going to be just the thing to stop it going wrong. And one conversation at a time, I'm trying to get people to realise that organisational change is a lot more complicated than that. It should be um, really thinking about the great skills, the great talents you've got in your workforces and drawing on that skills and talent to really um, realise that you can't um, make things, you know, can't rarefy it and make it one big whole thing. Uh, much better to recognise that it's a dynamic interaction within groups. I think it genuinely is a very, very important message that needs to be shared. And we are sharing it today, which is lovely. So, Sally, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your your research uh, around organisational change. And um, it's been a really interesting episode. And I hope that those listening at home, you've taken away from from this that you know change is not linear change is emerging and that we need to act in such a way that understands and embraces that um but sally thank you so much for your time thank you matt you have been listening to the truth about local government today we've had sally hopper director of hr at hertfordshire county council talking about her phd in rethinking organizational change if you enjoyed the episode as always please share like and tune back in for more interesting episodes later in the week Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government 